Hello and thanks for joining us. Today on Encore, a glimpse at some of the incredible artwork saved from the devastating fire at Notre Dame Cathedral. The exhibition opens this week in Paris at the Cité de l'Architecture, as Emerald Maxwell reports. Dawn has barely broken, but preparations are in full swing at the Cité de l'Architecture. All precautions are in place for the delivery of this artwork, one of 22 oil paintings evacuated from the Notre Dame Cathedral fire in 2019. Since restored, it's the first piece to be included in this exhibition. It's got all its original colors back and we'll show it at ground level, whereas it will be hung a little higher when it returns to Notre Dame. The work wasn't damaged by the flames, but painted almost 300 years ago, time had taken its toll. It's been painstakingly restored inch by inch over months using cotton buds. Restorers used the same technique to gently clean Notre Dame's 2,000 stained glass windows, soiled by decades of pollution. This one was restored by a master glassmaker in Troyes to the southeast of Paris. It will now help to give back the cathedral its former radiance. It's really got transparency back there. It's quite impressive. I've never seen the blue this clear. Twelve apostles and four evangelists also proudly occupy this room. The 3.5-metre-high statues are, in a sense, the miracles of Notre Dame. Before the disaster, they looked down from the cathedral's roof near the famous spire. But by a twist of fate, they'd been safely removed four days earlier to allow for scaffolding to go up. The statues were given a facelift in the Dordogne and have gone from green back to black. We removed the oxidation and repatinated them as they would have been originally. Another star of Notre Dame, its great organ. Now cleaned of the toxic lead from the blaze, some of its 8,000 pipes will be shown to the public. Like the paintings, windows and statues, they'll return to their rightful places in the cathedral in 2024. Next to an artist renowned for combining delicate needlework with painted canvases to celebrate female empowerment and sexuality. French-Egyptian artist Gada Amer's first retrospective in France is being held in the port city of Marseille. The exhibition is at three different sites across the city, including the Museum of Civilizations of Europe and the Mediterranean. Oliver Farry reports. Rada Amer's professors at the Villa Arson Fine Arts School in Nice advised her against painting because she was a woman. They believed a woman would be better suited to cooking or sewing than work in an artist's studio. But this resilient, free-thinking artist persevered, latching onto gender stereotypes, all the better to subvert them. Personally, I don't like embroidery at all, but it was a very conscious political choice. And that's why I used it. For me, embroidery is using a medium that is completely feminine or associated with women, particularly with the home and with submission. And every painting I paint, I say, woman has been brushed out of history. That's always what I wanted to say. Her work, often provocative without being crass, is intended to spark a reaction. Fleeing racism and misogyny in France, Rada Armour moved to New York, where she soon made a name for herself. Elle est 
She is from this first generation of women artists who spoke in their own name, who articulated themselves, not as part of some grand statement, but rather as a personal affirmation of their ability to use all these materials they had previously been refused or even forbidden from using. She knows she is an artist and at the same time a symbol. After 20 years of exploring embroidery in a highly political body of work, 10 years ago, Rada Amer turned somewhat by accident towards ceramics and bronze sculpture. All this anger and rancor towards the history of art subsided, and I found I could paint with my ceramics. I could make pictures. Rada Amer's art is one that is both joyous and expressive, in line with her sense of freedom, which makes her an essential artist on the world stage. And the exhibition is on until the 16th of April. Musician Pharrell Williams is the next menswear designer for the French fashion house Louis Vuitton. Luxury group LVMH's top label appointed the Grammy Music Award winner, making him, after predecessor Virgil Abloh, the second African-American to head a big label at a European luxury house. Caris Garland has more. He's a global music superstar and a front-row fixture at runway shows. Now, Pharrell Williams is taking his career to new heights of luxury as the head of menswear at Louis Vuitton. The brand said his appointment reinforced its values of innovation, pioneer spirit and entrepreneurship. I'm glad to welcome Pharrell back home after our collaborations in 2004 and in 2008 for Louis Vuitton as our new men's creative director. His creative vision beyond fashion will undoubtedly lead Louis Vuitton towards a new and very exciting chapter. With 13 Grammy Awards under his expensive belt, Pharrell is perhaps best known for his work in music. However, the 49-year-old is no stranger to the fashion industry. In 2003, Pharrell co-founded streetwear labels, billionaire boys club and ice cream footwear with Japanese designer Nigo. He's also partnered with Adidas, plus luxury labels like Montclair, Tiffany and Chanel. Pharrell's appointment represents a certain continuity to Louis Vuitton men's, which has recently sought to attract a younger, more streetwear-focused audience. The creative director role was previously held by Virgil Abloh until his death in November 2021. Abloh's dynamic designs fused streetwear with high-end fashion and redefined the brand's codes. Pharrell's first collection for Louis Vuitton will be revealed in June during Men's Fashion Week in Paris. Now to film and the story of an impossible dream. Astronauts is an unusual French film telling the tale of an aeronautical engineer who wants to build his own rocket to travel to space alone. Dreamt up by Nicolas Giraud, who also directs and stars in the film, it hits cinemas in France this week. Who hasn't dreamt of going to space, of floating weightless among the stars? Depuis tout petit, je me vois là C'est une plaisanterie. Je sais qu'il y a des risques, mais imaginez. Actor and director Nicolas Giraud plays Jim, an engineer who has vowed to lead the first amateur manned spaceflight aboard a rocket he built himself. 
Giro enlisted the expertise of satellite launch company Ariane Space to make the most credible film he could. When I started this, the most important thing for me was that it should be realistic. That was the first thing I said to Christophe Rossignon, the producer. I told him, I don't want this film to be a joke or a comedy. I wanted to have spirit and human warmth. That's what I'm striving for. Jim is joined on his quest to reach the heavens by his chemist neighbor, André, and a brilliant math student, Izumi. With the instability of XB3, there is still a risk that the launcher explodes or explodes. It's okay, it's okay, we know. Et une fois que tu seras en orbite, on n'est pas à l'abri d'une collision avec des débris spatiaux, d'un problème de moteur ou même que tu fasses une crise cardiaque. Jim also gets help from a disillusioned former astronaut played by Mathieu Kassovitz, who becomes determined to repair his reputation after a failed mission. Tu as 15 minutes d'oxygène. Il a été cassé par He was broken by what he went through. And so he rebels. And that's why he decides, despite it all, to share his knowledge. Leaving the Earth changes a person, says this former astronaut and advisor to the film. We become extraterrestrials when we go into space. Seeing the Earth from up there is a sensory experience, but also an emotional, intellectual and even spiritual experience that's overwhelming. Will they or won't they have liftoff? The film keeps us hanging until the very last minute. In cinemas in France this week. Next, tributes are pouring in for the American actress and sex symbol Raquel Welsh, who's died at age 82. She was often credited with paving the way for modern-day action heroines in Hollywood films. Solange Mougin has more on how she became a global star. It is Raquel Welsh, the sensational star discovery of this or any other year in one million years BC. She only had a few lines in this fantasy drama. But the 1966 film transformed American actress Raquel Welch into a global sex symbol. Images of her scantily clad body in a deerskin bikini was the top pinup of the time, transforming traditional images of sexuality. Decades later, in 2010, while promoting her book Raquel Welch Beyond the Cleavage, she explained that she used her looks to her advantage, but was never comfortable being a sex symbol. It, it's um, rather you know, it's kind of like being in a straitjacket. You want to go, wah, let me out. You know, let me be me. Does anybody care? <laughs> I'm here, here I am, inside. Born in Chicago in 1940 and of Bolivian heritage, Welch moved to California as a young girl, winning beauty pageants and working as a waitress and weather announcer before making it big in Hollywood. In 1973, after becoming a pinup sensation, she won a Golden Globe for Best Actress in The Three Musketeers. Welch both capitalized on her beauty and sensuality, but she also challenged stereotypical gender norms by playing roles of strong, willful women. The mother of two's acting career spanned five decades, with some 30 films and 50 television shows to her credit. Raquel Welsh, who's died at the age of 82. And that brings us to the end of the show. There's more news coming up after this. Thanks for watching. See you next time.
they're known for their cuisine and saying hello with a kiss. They only work 35 hours per week, when they're not on strike, that is. How true are these clichés about France? Every week, Florence Villeminot tears apart stereotypes. Join us for insight into French culture and current events to understand what makes the French so unique. French Connections, presented by Florence Villeminot on France 24 and France24.com.